Good morning, everyone. Good to be here again. I realise I've thrown um, a cat amongst the pigeons. Communion on not the first Sunday of the month. Sorry. No, I'm not at all, really, but um, I thought I'd try and be polite. Um, so the reason being, um, we are doing a series at King's um, looking at communion. Uh, it's been something I've been threatening to do for quite a few months, and so I've finally taken the plunge. Um, so you're getting a little taste of something that I'm talking about at, at King's. Um, so if you have a Bible and you want to turn to Jeremiah chapter 31, um, I'm not going to read from that straight away, but if you don't know where it is, it gives you a little bit of time to find it. It's kind of in the middle-ish slightly to the right uh, in your Bibles, Jeremiah chapter 31. We'll come back to that in a second. Um, But while you're finding that, I'm just going to read to you some probably very familiar words from Matthew uh, chapter 26, which is when Jesus speaks to disciples. But you you keep finding Jeremiah 31 because we'll get there eventually. uh, Matthew says this, he says, while they were eating, Jesus took bread and when he'd given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples saying, take and eat, this is my body. Then he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will not drink from this fruit of the vine from now on until the day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. So you may well know or may not know what was happening and the situation here was Jesus was celebrating the Jewish festival of Passover with his disciples. Um, and I think actually a few months ago, Stuart Davison came and talked a little bit about that. One person was here that morning. That's good. Uh, see Jackie afterwards. She remembers. Uh, and uh, Stuart's brilliant actually at, at sort of understanding uh, the, some, the, the cultural kind of perspective of that. So if you didn't, we weren't here that week, we can't remember, maybe go back on your own website and listen to that because I did, it was very good. Um, uh, and um, so Jesus in the middle of that Passover meal, there's several cups and they all have different meanings and, and significance. He, I, it's probably the third cup, which was the cup of redemption. He takes the cup and maybe at that point they were sort of thinking, yeah, Passover, been there, done that. We know what's going to happen next. This is the bit in the story where this happens in the old Israel story. But actually Jesus then retells the story around himself. So he takes, it's almost like somebody turning up on a church as a guest speaker and doing communion on a different week. It's like, this is radical. This is not, this is not how it's supposed to happen. And, um, and he says of this cup, he says, drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. So the first thing I want you to notice is that Jesus doesn't give his disciples any options. There's no choice or decision in the matter here. Uh, This doesn't appear to be optional. He just says, drink this, all of you. I imagine he looks around the table. Drink this, all of you. It's almost like there's an urgency in what he's saying. He wants to share himself with everybody there, and he's saying to them, drink this. You need this. You need, you need me. You need me inside you. You need to take this. So if that wasn't startling enough, he's, he explains, this is the blood of my covenant. Oh, sorry, this is my blood of the covenant. 
Which is simple, right? I mean, that makes perfect sense to all of us. No. Well, somebody's nodding. Okay, so maybe you were there when Stuart was talking about it. Um, you know, first of all, Jesus says, this is my blood. Pardon me? I mean, these words have become quite familiar with us, but if I just sort of offered you a cup of orange juice and said, this is my, you know, at breakfast time, this is my blood. Yeah, there's a few confused faces out there, and I'm thinking, well, this is a bit odd, and particularly in Jewish, you know, the idea of drinking blood was just a no-no, but to drink, anyway. Very strange. This is my blood of the covenant. Aha, the covenant. Now, can we actually say confident what we're talking about here when we're talking about the covenant? What, what, what does that involve? What, what is this covenant? He gives a bit of an inkling here. It's to do with forgiveness of sins. And uh, we sing about that kind of stuff, which is good. But other than that, I wonder whether the, the disciples there sitting around the table actually knew what he was talking about. What is this? Maybe, maybe they had, had a vague idea. Maybe they, maybe they were well-versed in the Hebrew scriptures and could go to Jeremiah 31, which we will do in a second. Or maybe they were just thrown off beam because he said, this is my, my blood. I know if I said that to my kids, they'd be like, ugh, you know, gross, you know, whatever. But this was a curveball. So this covenant, well, first of all, let's talk about what, what is a covenant. I mean, covenants, <clears throat> maybe they've gone out of fashion, but I don't know whether even we have these, this idea very much in our modern worlds, but the idea of covenant is literally a coming together. It's a bond between two parties, um, and actually in ancient, way before Jesus' time, it was, it was believed that actually eating together was part of a, forming a covenant. Um, and in our modern times, um, marriage is a good example of, of a covenant where we have um, a couple, they come together, they pledge their commitment to one another, their love, and they say things like, for better, for worse, uh, for richer, for poorer, in sickness, in health. Those, those are kind of covenant bonds that no matter what happens, I would say, I said to my wife, I am, I'm there, I'm, I'm with you, my love is unending for you. Um, and so a covenant is like, it's, it's that kind of thing. It's, it's, a, it's, an, a, it's a promise that cannot be broken or cancelled. Well, at least that's the idea. We all know that the modern world doesn't necessarily get it. But um, that's just the way life is sometimes. But throughout the covenant, and, and here is a perfect example that it doesn't always work like that, that actually throughout the Bible, covenant is the way that God deals with the world. And, and I I'd love to, if I had more time, I'd go into all of that, this, the covenant with Noah, the covenant with Abraham. But the, the, one of the key ones is the covenant with Israel. And this is what God says to Israel. He says, if you obey me fully and keep my covenant, then out of all nations you'll be my treasure, treasured possession. And you think, what a great deal. We just have to keep the covenant and obey God, and we will be his treasured possession. But the tragic story of the Old Testament and the world we live in, as no doubt many of us know, is that covenants get broken and actually Israel didn't do a great job of keeping this covenant. And so if you read the Old Testament, you probably just see, you will see time and time again Israel messing up. God kind of going, okay, and trying to sort it out. And it just goes on and on and on and on. And eventually, after, again, I can't go into the whole Old Testament story, God starts speaking a new covenant, and this is where we're going to get to in Jeremiah 31. Finally, that was a long intro, wasn't it? 
Good. So Jeremiah 31, which is actually quite a long chapter. If you go, if you, we're not going to read all of it. Just uh, get down to verse 31, which says this. The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel and with the people of Judah. It will not be like the covenant I made with their ancestors when I took them out by the hand to lead them out of Egypt, because they broke my covenant, though I was a husband to them, declares the Lord. This is the covenant I will make with the people of Israel. After that time, declares the Lord, I will put my law in their minds and I will write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. No longer will they teach their neighbor or say to one another, know the Lord, because they will all know me from the least to the greatest, declares the Lord. For I will forgive their wickedness and remember their sins no more. So this is the new covenant. This, I believe, is what Jesus is talking about when he said, this is what you're, what's happening here in this meal, this, this communion meal, which we'll share in a few minutes. And the thing is, if you look at this new covenant, one of the, the greatest things about it is actually it's going to be different to that old covenant that, that Israel, and if we were Israel, we would be in the same situation. Don't, don't, don't think to yourself for a second that if you were living in Old Testament times, you would be one of those covenant keepers. I will, I will make... It's just... It just it, we fail. We, we break down because we're, we're broken and sinful people. But the difference for the, for the new covenant is... It's not so much in what the content of it is, but actually in the way that God's going to work it out. Because he says, I'm going to write this on your heart. Because you remember in the olden days, it was written on a piece of stone, maybe hung up on a wall. In fact, sometimes it is, isn't it? It's displayed on church walls. Here's the Ten Commandments. Keep these laws, these kind of things. And it's written there, and you think, right. And we think to yourself, I've got to do this, got to do that, got to do that. But Jesus said, well, Jeremiah, and then Jesus also is saying, I'm going to do this differently. I'm going to write this inside you. That's the way this is going to work. It's going to work from the inside out rather than the outside in. Because when you've got a piece of stone, you're reading it and you're thinking, right, I've got to do this. And you start to do it outwardly and then you hope it will do something inside. But actually, maybe God realized that's never going to work. So I'm going to do this from the inside out. Instead of trying to follow those commands outwardly and failing and failing to change inwardly, I'm going to renew you from the inside out. And so, following on from that, there's three main commitments God says in this this new covenant. And first of all, he says, I will be their God and they will be my people. And that's that's, that's not a new thing. I mean, remember, he he said that to Israel, you're going to be my treasured possession. But it's again just an establishment of even from deep within now this time. You're going to know that you are my people. You are my people. I am yours and you are mine is effectively what he's saying here. And you can say that also of God, that I am his and he is mine. It's a statement of, that sounds quite poetic and quite sort of almost like love. You know, it's that kind of thing you might say to to someone you love. And so God is saying that to his people, that you are my family, you are the ones I love, you are mine and I am yours. So that's part of this covenant commitment. Then he also says, they shall all know me. So this covenant gives everyone, whether they're high or low, weak or strong, young or old, and as in the New Testament it says, uh, Jew or Greek, slave or free, male or female, doesn't matter. 
The New Testament would say we're all one in Christ. But in this covenant, he's saying they shall all know me. So not just the clever people or the people who pretend to be clever and stand up at front of church, but the young ones, people who are just think I don't know anything about anything, they can all know me. And, and, and this idea of knowing isn't just a case of just thinking, right, I've got the intellectual, I've been to university and I've studied God and now I know him because I'm clever. No, this is a knowing which is an intimate connection. It's, it's more than just head knowledge. You don't, you know, I know Jackie and Brian. I've known them a while. I didn't have to go to Jackie and Brian's study school to kind of know about them. And, and I mean, I don't, there's a whole load of facts I don't know about them, but I know their character and I know about, because I've spent some time with them and I've, I know them and hopefully they know me too. Does that make sense? So it's a knowledge that is more than knowledge up here. It's, it's, it's a connection. And that ha- the, the covenant is for all of us. And then, of course, the bit we maybe knew already, he says, I will forgive their sins and remember them no more, which is vital. Vital, 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 that, that in, in, in this new covenant, there's a radical forgiveness of sins. There was always forgiveness available in the old covenant, but it was a kind of, you had to keep doing these sacrifices over and over. But Jesus is saying here, I'm making a once and for all sacrifice, a total offering for sin, and sins will be, in, in this new covenant, sins are remembered no more. So there's a, the new covenant that um, Jeremiah speaks about, I can't remember exactly when Jeremiah was around, he's probably around, oh, I don't know, six, seven, eight hundred years before Christ. Also, there was another prophet, Ezekiel, uh, who he says very similar things, and he also adds this, he says, and I will put my spirit in them, says the Lord. So, here's this new covenant. It's, it's a covenant to, to renew us from the inside out. And that's the really important thing, to remember that God is working in us and renewing us and redeeming us and restoring us from the inside out. And so with all that said, let's just go back to what Jesus says. And hopefully we can maybe just appreciate it a little bit more. Then he took the cup. And when he'd given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, drink from it, all of you. This is the blood of the covenant which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins Drink this, all of you. Let's come back to that. Have you ever been in a situation where somebody said, get this inside you? You know, have you been really, I don't know, have you been on a long walk? I've, I've been on some cycle rides with John. I know I keep coming back to my cycle rides with John, but it's, it's the, in fact, there's one time, it wasn't with John, I was with another friend, and it was a 100-mile ride, and, which I've only ever done twice. And, this, and I got to about 60 miles, and I was... And so this friend of mine, he went off, this is Tom, he went off and, and he, he went to the, the, the stop and he got a bag of sweets. <laughs> Roundtree's randoms, I, I, they were always my survival food on a long ride. He said, get those in you and let's get going. And I'm like, oh. so I started just every sort of five minutes, I was putting another random in my mouth. And you know what? It kind of worked. I don't know whether it's the sugar or just the, the, the pep talk or whatever, Get it in you and get going. And it's like Jesus is saying this almost to his disciples. You need this in you. Get this in you. Take this. This drink. You all need this. The old covenant didn't work. The new covenant is the way forward. In fact, you won't get anywhere unless 
you take this. You can't save yourself. You can't work those old commands yourself. You need the, 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 the covenant that God is writing on your heart to survive and to succeed. So Jesus says, drink my blood of the covenant. Literally, get this inside you. It is a life-saving drink. So, we're going to share communion together. I think, is Lucy going to lead that? Is that? Yes, Lucy. Um, Lucy. <laughs> Lucy's over here. And before Lucy comes up, I just want to, if we can do this. If you've got Jeremiah 31 still open with, with, there with you. Let's, let's just, around our table, and I love, by the way, I just, I just sat next to Sarah. I've never met Sarah before. I had a lovely chat with Sarah. I found out a whole lot of stuff, which is really interesting because I, had, I think, ah, I have a connection with Sarah. There's, there's so much going on what she's doing. It's brilliant. I love the fact that we can sit around the tables and do this. So great opportunity to do this. Take th- these um, verses, from, particularly from verse 31 onwards, and let us speak these covenant promises of God to one another and pray them for one another before Lucy comes up. So uh, what I'm talking about, the idea that, that we are gods and he is, he is our God, that we all can know God, and that we can all receive this forgiveness of sins. And, and the, I'm talking about just a quite short, a short prayer, and I'll just give you an example, because don't do this now. Don't start sort of praying for your neighbor's gout and, and the cat that got lost. You know? I mean, normally when I, off, you laugh, but whenever I say, just pray what's written here in the Scripture, it'll take you 10 seconds. Three or four minutes later, my church are praying about somebody's gout. I'm like, come on, guys. I mean, that's lovely, but this is not what we're doing here now. We're just taking these verses and saying, I'm, you know, I'm going to pray that you would know that you are God's and that he is your God, that you would know that you are forgiven totally and completely, that you would actually know God in a way that is new and revealed to you. There you go. That took me, what, 10 seconds. So that's just a prayer. So can we just do that for a second? I need to be prayed for as well on those. So let's pray for one another. Go on, don't be shy. If you don't know what to pray, just read, literally read it out and put your neighbor's name on it. Jeremiah 31, verse 33 and 34. 